Thank you for choosing to connect with North Collins Wesleyan Church. We are a church of all ages that is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our congregation enjoys worship, fellowship, discipleship, and community outreach. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. found in North Collins, New York. The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Justin Leininger. Again, thank you for joining with us, and we hope you enjoy. We have a lot of stories at Christmas, and those Christmas stories are filled with some rather incredible characters that we find. People who through book, who through song, story, or film have made their mark on this season, made their mark on our hearts and in our lives. From Buddy the Elf to Ralphie to George Bailey to Kevin McAllister, Snow and Heat Miser and, and Clark Griswold, the list may even, depending on how you shape your list, the may, list may even include Hans Gruber. Now, as I put those names out there, some of them you know, others you may not know, and probably your own list would include some different names that I didn't include. But there are two names that I believe, when it comes to our Christmas season list, two names that we would all put there, two names that are so recognizable. In fact, in their own way, the two names, and I, I, I can't quite understand if the names had their reputation in some ways because of the power of that name, or if because of the power of the story, those names have just become this powerful in our lives, but those two names are the Grinch and Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, just think about it for a second. Those two names, the Grinch, is there a better name to just define a Grinch? I don't even know how to define them other than to say it's just a Grinch. And Ebenezer Scrooge, let me first just ap apologize to any Ebenezers out there, but, but there's just something about putting that name, Ebenezer, with Scrooge together that is just it just says the story, right? It like lays it out. And we can try to describe it. We can try to say, well, it means darkness and it means anger and selfishness and rudeness and bitterness. And it means, in really true terms, it just means everything that's not Christmas, right? It's just everything that's not Christmas. And we, we really don't need to categorize those things. The names have taken on a meaning of their own. We know what it means to be a Grinch, and we know what it means to be a Scrooge. And somehow that oddly means, as you really think about it, it means kind of the same thing. And it doesn't have to be explained. Now here's the thing. We all know in our lives, we all know some Grinches, right? We all could say, oh, I know a Grinch or two. And if we're honest, we could all point out in our lives, and don't point any fingers right now, but we could all point out some Scrooges in this world, right? We know some Scrooges. And, and before we get too high and mighty on ourselves, like, oh yeah, look at all these, you know, before we do that, we can also recognize that it points in our own personal history, we have all been a Grinch before, and quite possibly, we have all been a Scrooge. I've, I'll admit it, there have been moments in my life where I have been a Scrooge. So I ask myself, how does that happen? How does that happen? The Grinch isn't described in flattering words. Dr. Seuss said that he is hairy, pot-bellied, pear-shaped, and snub-nosed. Things you can probably say about a person in the 50s, but not so much today, right? You can't write those words today, but you could back then. Scrooge is not described in flattering terms either. Charles Dickens describes him like this. He said, 
The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheeks, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. Wow. The thing is, as clear as that is, we can understand that a little bit, can't we? We understand, but what we further understand is it wasn't the looks of these two characters that was the problem, was it? It was their hearts. With the Grinch, we are told that his heart was what? Three sizes too small, right? His heart was too small. And with Scrooge, we're simply told that he was mean to the core. Legend says, and this is legend, we don't know if this is true, but legend says that Dickens got the idea for Scrooge from a gravestone for an Ebenezer Scroggy. He apparently thought Scrooge sounded better than Scroggy, which I would tend to agree. It's a little bit better. It was a good twist. And he, he saw this gravestone that said a meal man because this person was a, a food merchant, but Dickens initially read it as a mean man. And he thought to himself, Ebenezer Scrooge, what kind of person must this be that his grave would say a mean man? What kind of person would that be? We don't know if that is true, but it makes the point, doesn't it? They were mean. But in both of their stories, we understand that they didn't just start as mean, but that one thing that both of them suffered from at a young age got them there either intentionally or unintentionally, they were both very lonely. We recognize that loneliness is a real thing, isn't it? We can all experience it. Many of us are experiencing it right now, or we know someone in our lives who is experiencing loneliness. The truth of the matter is, for most of us, and we'll talk about this more, but the holidays, the Christmas season, more than anything else, it it, if you're feeling lonely, you would think that it should bring us together and help us to feel not lonely, but often what happens is just the opposite. Loneliness is just magnified. It's just brightened. It's just brought more under our attention that, oh man, it's Christmas and I'm lonely. Psychology Today tells us that research indicates that more than 20% of people over the age of 60 frequently feel intensely lonely. We know if we're honest, we all at times do feel lonely. What you're about to hear will either sound like the side effects of a drug commercial, because those are fun, right? Or the symptoms of a disease, but this is actually what psychology today says about the feelings of isolation. They can, this is what it says, they can have a serious detrimental effect on one's mental and physical health. Loneliness can be a risk factor for heart disease, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, among other critical diseases. Lonely people are also twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. At the root, isolation compromises immunity, increases the production of stress hormones, and is harmful to sleep. All of this feeds chronic inflammation, which lowers immunity to the degree that the lonely person, lonely people even suffer more from the common cold. Loneliness can be a chronic stress condition that ages the body and causes damage to overall well-being. And as we think about that, right, we think about who the Grinch and who the Scrooge and who Scrooge became. We recognize that you don't become a Scrooge, you don't become a Grinch without a reason, but as you recognize those real true side effects of loneliness, it is easy to see how it happens. 
and how it could happen to any of us. But uh, unlike many things that plague our world, the good news is this. With loneliness, there is a cure. With loneliness, there is a clear and wonderful cure, and it is love. It is the thing that is at the center of our walk as Christians, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, and our season at Christmas. There is a cure, and it is love. We see the power of love play out for Mary as she, in a very lonely moment, hears the news that she is to have a child. We find this news in this moment in in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56. If you want to turn in your pew chair Bibles, you're welcome to. It's found on page 1012. In this passage, we find Mary in, in this moment dealing with a very lonely situation that we will recognize as lonely if we are honest with ourselves. This is a, this is a, a nice little bit of reading, but I think it's worth us to have this whole story, this whole moment put together. And so this is what it says, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. For the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, Mary breaks in because she's wondering about how this is going to happen. So she says, how will this be? She asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Verse 39, it picks up, it says this, it says, At that time Mary got up, got ready, and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And here we find in closing in this passage, we find Mary's song from this moment. Mary's heart is uplifted and she says this. It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from thrones, but has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And it closes with this line, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. In this world, some of our loneliest moments come when we are given hard, difficult, or even overbearing news. Mary's news is not bad news at all. In fact, it's wonderful news, especially for the world, right? It's wonderful news. But for Mary, is the news hard? Is it heavy news? Is it news that's going to be difficult? Is it scary news? Yes, it is all of those things. She is at a young age and in a precarious situation. She is in this spot that doesn't quite translate to our culture and community, but she's in this moment where she's kind of married, but not really married. She's like legally married, but it's not officially married, but it's somewhere in there. But it's, she's, she's married at this point in, in a lot of terms, especially legally, and she, she is going to have a child. And it's not just any child. She's going to have God's child, the son of the most high, the savior of the world. That is going to be her child. And all of this is just now in this moment been placed upon her shoulders. Can you feel the loneliness of this situation? There is a telling moment, Luke chapter 1 verse 38. It ends with five words that ring of loneliness. Then the angel left her. Then the angel left her. And we can all connect with Mary in that moment. She has to be wondering to herself, what did I, what did I just sign up for? Like, what did I just sign up for? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, what did I just do? And, and she's all by herself in this moment. What did I just sign up for? As the angel departs, we just picture Mary standing alone in the dark. We don't actually know if it was dark, but then again, how could it not be dark? An angel just gave her this news and just left her presence. That is loneliness. Was Mary alone? We don't know. She's probably in a family home. Other people were probably around, but who could she tell this news to? Who could believe? Who could share this burden? Who could help her with this weight? Who wouldn't judge her? Who, who would allow this moment to, to just be with them and to ease the burden? This is loneliness. Mary had a plan for life. Now that was gone. Her most important relationship with her husband was being threatened. Her place within her family, within her community, it was a jeopardy. What rejection, isolation could she be facing? That is loneliness. Loneliness. Many of us are feeling lonely, I'm sure, right now. Some of us are lonely because of the obvious. We're in perpetual darkness. It feels like no one is around and, and maybe no one is. There may be people around us, but maybe we have few family and friends that are close and we just feel alone. For some of us, we're lonely because of what has been placed on our shoulders. News, stress, and burdens that we think that we have to bear alone. Things that we can't share, that, that we think no one will understand, burdens that we can't find help with. And still others, our life has taken a turn. Relationships that we thought were steady, we've come to recognize that they're not that and we feel threatened. Maybe those relationships are fading and for some of us, maybe those relationships are in many ways already gone. 
our place, our home, our family, our community, it all feels like it's in jeopardy and we feel isolated and we, we face rejection. Loneliness is real. Loneliness is real. But there is an answer. There is an answer. The problem with the holidays is that sometimes the holidays magnify things, right? Especially the bad things. Sometimes the holidays, it like brings that out to the surface. Everything that is a stress, we just have this tendency to, to turn it up. Just add the holidays and that'll make it so much better. Are you worried about your health right now? Just add some holiday desserts to kill that diet, and it is gone, right? That just happens, like, automatically. I mean, yes, we can pass on the fruitcake. Everybody can pass on the fruitcake, right? But, but who can say no to chocolate-covered cherries? That's impossible, and we don't need, we don't need that. Is an overcrowded schedule an issue for you? Nothing says busyness like the holidays, right? Let's take your already crazy schedule and add like 13 Christmas events and shopping trips and all kinds of other wonderful things to just blow that schedule up and just to to turn your life into craziness. Feel like you you just can't quite catch up with your finances? Nothing says financial peace like the need to fund Christmas gifts, extra meals, and all kinds of of trips. I'm sure financial peace is, is right there with Dave Ramsey in the Christmas season, right? Like this is his favorite thing. I'm sure it is not. Now, if those stresses are heightened, think about loneliness. In many ways, nothing says lonely like being on the outside looking in during the holidays. But for real, all of the experiences that lead to loneliness are stressed before, during, and after the holiday season, aren't they? They are. I want you to know that I understand loneliness, and I understand that very clearly. I admit to having very lonely moments in my life, and if we are honest, we all are. Loneliness is something we can all relate to. You may not know this, but being a pastor is statistically one of the loneliest jobs there is in in our culture. Quite possibly the loneliest moment of my life was the season of leaving my cushy position as a family ministries pastor, my previous position to coming here. There I was surrounded by people, but I knew my heart was unsettled. I had a burden that I knew something needed to happen. And it is amazing, right, how you can be surrounded by people, but yet feel completely alone when a certain burden is placed on your shoulders. You can feel 100% alone even when you're surrounded by others. And I went from there to here where it was a loneliness just very different. There it was a burden. Here it was just the fact that I didn't know anybody and I was alone. And it was just the simple fact of like, no, no, I'm just actually alone in this moment. I don't know people and I, I don't know who to talk to and you don't know who to open your heart to, but we all need that, right? and you're alone. That can be overwhelming. Many of us or many of the people around us are being overwhelmed for one reason or another by loneliness right now. But in Mary, we see a way forward. We looked at that verse and those five words just a few moments ago about how the angel left her. But in the very next verse, the very next part of this passage of Luke 1, it says something that's very key that Mary chose to do. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the hill country of Judea. She went, she thought to herself, I need to be with someone. 
I need to find someone who will understand, someone who might accept me, someone who might love me, someone who might make a home for me, someone who might take me in and just accept me and be with me in this moment. I need that, and so she did it. Some translations say they use the word now at this moment that Mary just realized right in that moment, I need this now. Others use the words soon afterward, like Mary didn't take long. She, she felt in that moment empty. She felt lonely, and it didn't take her long. You almost see it in the angel's words, right? They mention Elizabeth. The angel mentions Elizabeth to her. It's like the angel just threw her that little bit of a hint, like, you're not alone. You're not, there's someone else. There's someone else you can lean on. It's like the angel gave her that little bit of a hint. You're not alone. And Mary took advantage of it. The idea is clear. It didn't take Mary long to, to know that she needed to be with people, most specifically with someone who would understand, who would have compassion for her situation, someone who would, who would relate and connect and simply love her. And so Mary took off to be with Elizabeth. Elizabeth being someone who was also pregnant from a somewhat, maybe not as much, but a somewhat miraculous conception as well. What is just as meaningful as Mary looking for the love and support that she needed is the way that Elizabeth greeted her, right? There is acceptance, there is encouragement, there is support, there is love. It must have felt to Mary like she had a home. Like she had a home. And we see it in Mary's song. Her heart is so overwhelmed, she had a whole new and encouraged outlook to her situation. She didn't sing that song after the angel left, right? She didn't sing those words about how blessed she was after the angel left. She sang those words after she went and Elizabeth had a chance to love and accept her. After she had the understanding that she was not alone and she got that comfort knowing that those burdens, she wasn't alone. That she wasn't alone. And then her heart could accept the situation and she could praise God. And notice she didn't just leave right away. Look at verse 56. She hung out with Elizabeth for three months they both very much needed that time and support together. There is an answer to loneliness. It is found in the love and support, the encouragement and compassion, the acceptance and home-like feeling that others can give us. I would ask us each that we would be encouraged. May we be encouraged in two specific things. First, may we be encouraged that if we feel like Mary and we are facing overwhelming loneliness, May we be encouraged to do the hard thing and seek out people who will love us, who will accept us and our situation, who will provide comfort and support. Seek those people out. I do hope that you will find them here in our church. And I know our church isn't perfect and we all have our own distractions and worries in life, but hopefully you will find those people here. Wherever it is, seek them out. I see this in church a lot, and I'm going to be honest, it's one of the hardest things that I have to face at times as a pastor is knowing that I can only sort of help a lonely person, right? Because in the end, that person, at some point, they have to help themselves. They have to take a step. And I know that isn't fun or easy. Trust me, I'm with you. I'm an introvert myself. I'm looking forward to today when I can sit on the couch and read a book in silence in my own little sphere because that's, that's like I know I'm up here in front of you and I can act a goofy for a second, but I am an introvert and that is what charges me. And so I know like these kinds of thoughts of like approaching someone and having a conversation, like that's not exciting. It's not fun. It's not what it, whatever, but we have to make the effort. We have to make the effort for ourselves. If we are lonely, we have to make that effort. As painful as it might be, we have to. 
I would encourage us to seek out confidence together. Here at church, in your life, seek them out. If you need help finding them, volunteer, join a group, get involved. It is the best way to grow close to other people. The volunteering is not about the service, although the service is a wonderful thing that comes from it. It's about those connections, those relationships, those meaningful ties with others. I would encourage you, if you have them, give your family a chance to be involved. If you have one, be open to your spouse, be open to your parents, be open to your children. Let them know that you need them. Let them know that you need them. Just because we're surrounded by family does not mean that we don't feel lonely. We do. But I think for a lot of us, our family wants to help. Give them the chance. And if the loneliness is truly heavy, I would encourage you to please seek professional help. Please get that help. We all need counseling at different moments in our lives. If I could take a small rabbit trail, I would tell you this. I think sometimes we think about counseling and we think it's, oh, that's for people who are in much bad, worse situations than we are and those kinds of things. I can remember when my wife Julie was getting her master's in marriage and family therapy and she, to get that degree, she had to go through marriage counseling. And it's like, oh, wait, what? That, all of a sudden, I'm involved, right? Because marriage and counseling, that doesn't mean just her doing that. That's like both of us. And I can remember explaining to people who heard it, oh, this is for her degree, right? We don't need, because you have that thing, right? Like, we're not in trouble. We're not in trouble. It's, a, you know, because you think everybody's going to judge you. Let me just say, right from the start, from the very beginning, it was wonderful for us. There were things that we talked about to understand how I grew up in family and how I saw marriage, how she grew up in family and how she saw marriage and how wonderfully and crazily different they were at times. And it was so healthy and so wonderful and I am such a better person for it. There is nothing wrong with counseling. It is a wonderful thing. And if you decide that you want to be a part of that, it means that you are strong. It means that you are courageous and it is awesome. So I would encourage you to take that step. And if you are lonely, remember, remember all those symptoms. Loneliness can lead to depression, and that can lead to hurting ourselves and to hurting others. Don't be afraid to get professional help to seek that counseling. My second thought is this. May we all be encouraged to be like Elizabeth, all of us. If we're lonely or not, may we all be encouraged, especially at Christmas, but all the time, to be like Elizabeth to recognize that we all face loneliness and to further see the people right around us who are right now, for one reason or another, very lonely. Do not take for granted because they have family or friends around them that they aren't lonely. And so may we be like Elizabeth. May we accept those people. May we support them. May we encourage them. May we uplift them. May we make a home for them. And most importantly, may we just love them. May we just love them. This is truth there for us, for each of us as individuals. It's there for us as family and is there for us as a church. May we remember that. Our job as a church, our job as families, our job as individuals, our job is to love the lost. Our job is to love the lost. Our job is to make a home for the lonely. Our job is to encourage the downtrodden. Scripture, Jesus does not ask us to judge people does not ask us to correct other people's lifestyles. Jesus Christ asks us to love the people of this world. There is a way through loneliness. Many of the people around us, they are lonely, and the way through is love. We each have the opportunity to bring that answer, that love to their lives. Most importantly, we, may we not forget what Christmas is about. 
God looking down at the lonely world and choosing to go and be with that world. He saw a world that needed support, encouragement, uplifting, the promise of a home, a forever home, and most importantly, he saw a world that needed love and needed proof of that love. And he didn't judge that world. He didn't say, oh, they're not like me. He didn't say, oh, they don't believe, they don't live, they don't vote, they don't act like me. He didn't say they're not living a lifestyle like me. He didn't say, oh, what are they going to do to my son? He knew what we were going to do to his son. He didn't allow any of that to stop him from coming to be with us, coming to love us. May we remember that that is the truth of Christmas, and may we take that love to all the circles, all the individuals, all the lonely people around us. Now, I battled with this message a little bit this morning because it's like we're almost at Christmas, and I wanted this to be like 100% fun this morning, and I recognize that that's not really how the world works. And so I I had that weight on my shoulders a little bit, and so I do want to end just with a little bit of a fun thought and leave you with just a fun, imaginative thought. Some of you right now, you know a Grinch. Some of you right now, you know a Scrooge. Some of you right now are a Grinch. Some of you right now are a Scrooge. Remember, you weren't born that way. Remember that they weren't born that way. Moments of loneliness, it brought us here into these moments. So I encourage you to seek out the power of love. Drive away the loneliness. Right now, we all get a chance to be a part of a Christmas story. Maybe our story doesn't have Buddy the Elf. I know, it's sad. It Maybe our story doesn't have that but you get to be a part of that story. So make that choice. Make the choice to be the ghost of Christmas present and to make someone smile and sing. Make the choice to be Cindy Lou Who, that one person that reaches into the Grinch's heart and proves that something about this world can be different and that they are loved. Be Tiny Tim, be Bob Cratchit. In the worst of situations, be that bright light that lets someone know that they are home, that they are loved. You have the chance to be a part of the story. Go and do it. Be loved here at Christmas. Father in heaven, God above, I thank you for this opportunity that we have. God, to love the people around us. God, I first and foremost right now, I lift up anybody who is here this morning, who is part of our community, who is lonely, God. God, first let them know that they are not alone. So many of us are lonely or have been lonely. We understand it, is, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It doesn't mean that there's anything not desirable or awesome about them. It's just, it's just the way the world is sometimes. God, we get put in lonely moments and sometimes the holidays are even more lonely. We see others' moments. We, we see that we're, we're a little bit alone and God, sometimes the holidays, it, it dredges up hurtful experiences. It dredges up loss from, from years ago from family members or friends and all of that reminds us that we're lonely and so God, may we recognize that that is, that is okay if we feel that way. But God, I ask that you would be with them, be with each and every one of us who is lonely and may we take steps forward now to find love, acceptance, care that drives away that loneliness. God, we know that love can overcome. So God, may we seek out that love. God, each and every one of us in this room, we all have a chance to be a part of the story of love. We have a chance to be a part of the story of Christmas. And so God, I ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to be like Elizabeth. 
to see someone around us who is in a tough situation and to not judge, to not hurt, to not persecute, but to just accept and love them. Let them know that they are special and that they are valuable and to love them, God. Bless us with those opportunities. May all our eyes and our hearts and our ears be open here at Christmas to these opportunities around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close in worship this morning?